I'm Bill Wennington, and you're listening to Game Day Routine. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Game Day Routine. I'm your host, Rob Howe. And for our first episode, I really wanted to bring someone in to set the tone, but who was also one of my dear friends. And that is who I have the pleasure of introducing you to today, Libby Arigema. She's a senior copywriter at Peloton. She was a collegiate lacrosse athlete, a two-sport athlete in high school in Maine. I met Libby because she is a type 1 diabetes blogger. And on Instagram, you can find her as Libby with Diabetes. We just hit it off from the start. She was one of my first real friends in the diabetes space. I'm super grateful for her for that. She has an incredible perspective. She's formerly of VaynerMedia and the Gary Vaynerchuk world, one of the voices behind one of the world's greatest brands, my friend, Libby Origema. Libby Origema, welcome to the show. Woo, thank you for having me. I'm so psyched that you're here. I'm so psyched for all of this. I'm just going to be bringing a lot of really positive sports <laughs> energy into this podcast and channeling what we it need. through. So what we need. you and I know each other. Like I, I feel, and I've said this on the record in multiple uh, media, I feel like you're just like the the woman version of myself. Uh, yep. <laughs> you were a, a, a college athlete at Elon, a, D, a division one athlete. You live with type one diabetes. Uh, we got diagnosed at relatively the same time. You're also a writer uh, by trade. You have a diabetes blog and platform. Yep. You, you know, you and I, some A1 since day one. Yep. We're wearing the same outfit right now. It's, yeah. We're just akin. There's some weird spiritual cosmic connection that we've always just been. And I'm grateful for it, to be honest. It's uh, <laughs> where would we be? It's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. So you're calling today from Maine, USA. Yeah, you, Maine, uh, USA. Uh, as, as of your LinkedIn, you are a senior copywriter at Peloton. But Correct. I want to know what you were like <laughs> on game day. I want to know... Like type A, 17-year-old Libby yep. stepping onto a pitch. And I want to know what you were like and what your game day routine was like as an athlete. And I want you to make it like, tell us all the nitty gritty. <laughs> I got, I, this, this is the fun part because I think when I think of myself, like the superstitions, just the yep. way I would try to prepare the music, it all comes yeah. back. So let's, let's oh my God, give you an idea of what uh, 17-year-old Libby is like. 17-year-old Libby was so self-conscious of anything, you know, any decision being the wrong decision or any, any vibe being the wrong vibe. So I was always about presentation. I wanted to be, I wanted to be in, you know, looking good. So I remember I would always do my hair. I would blow dry my hair and put in a specific ponytail, specific braid, a little bit of makeup. It's almost like, it's funny that I'm at Peloton now because people are like, how do those girls, you know, do their hair and makeup for those rides? I'm like, no, that's like a religion. And it's how you just like, you elevate yourself. So I would, I was very vain about that stuff. I would like clean, I had white cleats for soccer and lacrosse and I would make sure they were clean um, because, you know, you feel cool if you have the cool shoes, as you know, as a basketball player. So, um, I would make sure, you know, look good, feel good, do better to quote the one and only Alex Toussaint. And I was always a ball of nerves. Um, I was never the best player on the field, but again, I was, it was all about perception for me. I wanted people to see me as a classy player. I wanted people to see me as a hard worker. 
Um, I was not scoring a ton of goals. I played low D for lacrosse, which is like the biggest loser position ever. But my goal was just to like protect and not have any, um, you know, dings be my fault. Like I couldn't bear the thought of something ever being my fault. So that was sort of like hype was huge. I was a big, like listening to whatever was even Nelly. Like there wasn't even good hype music then until like 2008, I feel. We didn't have TI in our lives in high school, unfortunately. But uh, I was really just about like the nerves, the excitement. I miss that feeling of just like pure adrenaline racing through your veins. I don't know how to even equate that now. Like it doesn't exist. <laughs> in the, maybe like, I would say before a presentation, like a pitch, something, maybe that's an ad world, like where there's a, a little bit of a, an equal feeling of like, I, you just know you're going to do well before you walk in a room because of that experience on the field of like, I know how to carry myself. Even if I totally fuck up, I know how to give credit to other people. I know how to pass, like not be a ball hog. Um, and no matter what, you always run off the field. Like that was just something that I was taught early by a coach who was actually a huge asshole, but I have never, ever forgotten that. And it, it sort of has stuck with me in life, like for, for anything, always jog off the field when you're done. Always. I don't know why. I love that. And, And I think so much has been said today. And I think, you know, I think Peloton does a great job of this as well, like curating the state of like bringing, waking yourself up or like being in the zone. Um, and you know, to me, that's such a small little detail running off the field. I was also a player like that. I would run to timeouts. Yeah. I I wanted to look, uh, like I belonged. I wanted to represent well, you're the Uh, most invested on the field focused. It's tough. I mean, it was a tiring thing (laughs) because it was all about like, am I focusing on my energy on the wrong thing? Like I'm not focusing on being the best. I'm focusing on people perceiving me as trustworthy, as, um, as, you know, just hardworking and dedicated and like, just, I don't know, that was more important to me for some reason. It's interesting to like, look back and like, think about what you were thinking about as a priority as a 17 year old. So, you know, for you, you're a ball of nerves. Good parents. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, gosh, uh, and I'll retweet that until I'm in the ground. Uh, yeah, I was very lucky. I, I am nothing. Um, and I think, you know, for me, I think back and I often say that I felt like I knew everything. I kind of portrayed this very false bravado machismo because I was not as good and played in a, in a league that was maybe not as competitive. And I wanted to be perceived with the upper right. echelon. Um, right. So I was kind of putting on a little bit of this tougher exterior, which is really not my personality at all. Um, and so for you, it was mostly like, like you said, I think like being a good teammate, being respected, playing the game the right way. And when, when you remember about like your peak moments in your athletic career, whether high school or college, what things stand out to you uh, when you just think back on the glory days? Oh my God. I honestly, it, it, the connections you just make with people, like I'm still, I just had the other day, um, one of my best friends that I met through the lacrosse world in high school. She's still one of my closest friends and is literally here on Sunday for a little fire pit, hang outdoor social distance, whatever you want to call it. And, um, just those relationships, like you are, you are so vulnerable in that environment and there's, you have no choice, but to like show who you really are. So I don't, you know, my soccer team in high school was the best in the state for many years in a row. And like, yeah, I remember the 
the victory parade and the school bus and all that fun shit. But like, what I really remember is just the sisterhood that you have and the, the bonds, like I'm all through high school, all my athlete friends, we are still extremely close in each other's weddings. You know, it's insane. There's no, there's no other relationship that can replace that. And it's where you just like learn how to handle hard things. Um, and so like my biggest moment, that's the clearest in my head is I got a bloody nose in the state soccer, uh, final and had to like go off to the sideline and shove a tampon up my nose. And I just remember I had a decision in that moment of tap out. I mean, I was bleeding. Like it was bad. I bad header in cold weather to the schnozzola and I didn't give up and I'm kind of a quitter. Like I'm, I'm, I'll give up easy. Cause I'm like, it's not worth it. Life's you know, too short. Wow. And that was one of those moments where I was like, I chose to do the hard thing because it mattered. And I knew that I wasn't going to have this opportunity again. And, um, you know, it, it, that to me are the kinds of, those are the things that stand out. Um, it's not a glamorous moment, but it, for some reason, like every moment from, or every second from that memory is crystal clear. Well, and you say it's not a golden moment, but I mean, you, what a valuable lesson that you learned. right? Right. And, um, it really brought back my senior year of college. My basketball team was not very good. We were like middle of the road and probably underachieved. And our assistant coach one, one day came in and was like, look guys, you guys aren't going to remember the X's and O's of these games. You're not going to remember the score of an away game in January of your senior year of a year that you're like not competing for a championship or contending for anything important. And he's like, but you will remember how you felt with the guys next to you. And so, you know, sticking together. I think that's been more true for me and my guys as well. It's like, I look back, I don't remember, you know, plays from games i mean some big ones for sure but nothing really stands out but i still know who those guys are they're my all my guys for life uh just like you know just like they were in the house 12 years ago right uh, which is always super cool to like kind of look back on 100 percent. and there's no other experience that can teach you that at such a young age whether you're just the worst athlete in the world and you're on the c team and you ride the bench all day there are people on either side of you on that bench and that's invaluable. Well, and I think that specifically as well, not quitting then everybody starts from somewhere. And I think, uh, people who have regrets in those types of scenarios are the ones that maybe don't give themselves a chance or expect too much from themselves right right away. Right. Okay. So let's shift to now you've already given us a little bit of, of an insight. And I totally agree with you. The ad pitch game is like (laughs) the state championship (laughs) and it's like, it's clear winner. Like you've prepared, you went through the, you know, the training camp, the long hours, uh, you guys have, you know, a unified front, you go in there and you kind of do the, the performance. Um, but how, how has your game day routine changed for the stage in your life that you're in now? Uh, I know obviously with Peloton, like so much of, you know, you guys is built around athletics, uh, built around energy, um, and teamwork, but how do you apply what you learned uh, as an athlete into what do you do, what you do today and what you've done in your career? Yeah. Holy shit. That's such a good question. Honestly, I'm still vain. I'm so, I mean, I texted you earlier. Do I need makeup for this? <laughs> Cause I just, I always want to be perceived as somebody who has their shit together. Even if I don't, I want to be the duck in the room that even if I'm paddling like crazy under the water, I want, I want to stay afloat and I, I, if I have, you know, at least the right shirt on, then I don't have to worry about that, you know? And I, 
I can present myself well. I think another thing that I've I learned through sports that I applied now to the game day routine is, um, you know, taking those little extra moments beforehand. Like I'm, I'm kind of a rusher. I tend to be like all as a, a few minutes late or, you know, I'm kind of like Kramer. I enter every room with like a half spilled coffee and like an armless load of, of stuff kind of frazzled, but I I've learned to take that extra breath and just slow down before I walk into a big meeting before I, you know, do anything before I go back to a client or a stakeholder with anything like you come in hot, they're going to, they're going to come back at you hot. And the only, you know, you got to collect your thoughts these days. We're so overstimulated. There's so many things coming at us all the time. And I think what I learned before games and my, my parents were really good about coaching this was sort of that visualization and that moment of like manifesting how you want this to turn out before you begin. And I I apply that now of like, we're going to succeed at this because we have to. So let's just take a breath, remind ourselves of that and then pursue. And it has worked very well for me. I think I've a lot of the success I've experienced over the years has been because I told myself I was going to be successful in that moment. Well, I think that's really important for people to hear as well, because at the top, you talked about yourself as a ball of nerves, like you have anxious energy. And I, <laughs> yes, I know I that do. about you because we're friends, but um, also you leave things open for the yeah. best possible outcome. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's no matter what the situation is in advice that I give people. And I think this is partially from my background in sports, but also in sort of improv and making things up on the go. Yeah. And I, I use it in the agency world a lot is don't forget guys, the best possible outcome is still on the table here. So yeah. since it's on the table, shouldn't we try to go for it? Go for it. Go for it. Yeah. I think it's, it's fascinating. My senior year of high school, we did a visualization before a big lacrosse game once, like someone did a guide it, and it was the first time I'd ever like meditated. And it was basically like, picture yourself winning. And picture yourself running down the field and doing this and doing this. And I remember thinking, like, this is so stupid. This is so cheesy. This has no impact over how the game's going to go. I was so wrong. And so now I tell myself, like, even if I'm going into a workout, my blood sugar is not cooperating. I tell myself, it's going to be fine. It's going to cooperate. It has to cooperate. You're going to finish this workout. It might not be perfect, but you're going to finish because that's what you set out to do. And nine times out of 10, the mind over matter kicks in. And it works. <laughs> well, serious. I think too, like that perfection is especially in creative worlds. Um, yeah. And, you know, on the agency side and also, I mean, you're now working for one of the, the biggest brands uh, of today. And I think perfection is like, and the, you know, there's in, endless Instagram graphics of like perfection, perfection is the enemy of progress or yep. whatever. Um, good. It, the enemy of good and like, you know, just the enemy of getting things done. And I think there's so many, when I talk to young people, young entrepreneurs, uh, young creatives, they're very self-conscious and holding that thing in. And I think, yep. you know, in basketball, we had the shooter's mentality and yep. you're only as good as your next made shot. So if you're yep. thinking about the last miss, you know, only the best players only make 40%. So right. if you're making, if you're making more than four out of 10, uh, you're in yep. pretty rare territory. So yeah. I think, you know, zooming out and like you said earlier, uh, taking a breath, like take, stop, like check in with yourself. Um, mm -hmm. you know, those, those things are super important. And like you said, at 17, you're getting a first guided meditation. 
that seems weird. It seems weird. Yeah. It seems like, oh, come on. This is, uh, you know, coach, coach is, you know, pulling the wool over our eyes. Yeah. Here. But then you're it. creating that mindset. Yeah. It, it stuck with me forever. And I think, you know, it, it takes the pressure off a little bit in a way because you sort of just like, you know, I don't know, you're not like aimlessly aiming at something. You're, you're committed to, uh, a, you know, you're dedicating you hear that a lot at the beginning of the yoga class, right? Like, who, what do you want to dedicate this practice to? It's not like, you know, this one goes out to my mom. It's like, no, I want to dedicate this practice to finishing. I'm dedicated to finishing. That's it. That's all I'm doing today. And being not the best athlete, but the most involved and invested athlete is kind of what taught me that it's better done than perfect. Um, I learned that early. And I think, you know, working for Gary Vaynerchuk and guys like that in New York, who don't believe in perfection at all. They believe in speed and reach and production, you know, production and efficiency and relationship building. Like that's helped me so much because it's inherently who I am. I always call myself a B plus person. I am no way, shape or form an A because I don't believe in it. It's a waste of my time. <laughs> there is no perfect. So like, why am I aiming for perfect? And it's, you know, by committing to that sort of like mantra early in my professional life and early in having diabetes, which was around the time when I was like good at sports, it's worked really well for me. Something I think about with diabetes along the same conversation is that diabetes makes you better at failure because totally. I am, I live with diabetes, so I'm going to get something wrong in the next 24 hours. Like, yeah, there's just or a like short, minutes. yeah, you know, there, even if I'm like, it's it's so funny. I'm glad we're gonna have this conversation. And this is not a diabetes podcast, but I think it's so cool that we're both able to talk about it here. Yeah. Yesterday I had this rare thing. I checked my CGM on my phone, which is a new thing I can do now. Yeah. I had my blood sugar was hundred and I had a hundred percent time and range for the last 24 hours. I was like, wow, what a cool thing. Double unicorn. And then over the night, I I like woke up this morning like 380. And yeah, blew it. I was like, oh, I felt like I felt like one of the robots in Wally on like one of the yeah. crazy planets. You know, I just felt terrible. Yeah, yeah. I was like, wow, way to bring me back to Earth, diabetes. So yeah. anyway, I but I couldn't stop. So, you nope. know, I, di I didn't have a clear night. I didn't have a great rest. But today, I, a lot of things were asked of me and I was able to show up for each of them. And yep. I think that's something that being an athlete, especially, you know, at a high level where you're not feeling your best or you tweaked an ankle or a knee or a shoulder but you still got to show up for your teammates. You still got to yep. do your job. And that's something that I think I, I take a lot uh, of pride in as a, as a worker these days is being yep. available yep. Um, and just being there for my team, whoever needs me and for clients or, or stakeholders, like you said. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that, what, what advice do you think you would give yourself today? If you're, if, you know, we get stuck in some crazy freaky Friday scenario and you get, Lightning, lightning bolted back to the pitch where 17 year old Libby is warming up. What would you say? I would have said that you, by being who you were, which was that person dedicated to team and perception, that that was actually the right way because I doubted that all the time. I felt like shit that I wasn't, you know, MVP of everything. And I wasn't getting recruited for two sports. I was only getting recruited for one sport. And like, you know, you're so self-conscious and vulnerable at that age that you don't, you don't think that what you're doing is good enough. And I think what I didn't realize or recognize at the time was that I was preparing myself for who I was literally going to be as an adult. And it, I have been very proud of the way I conduct myself in my professional life. And I don't have a lot of regrets, which I think is a huge, huge, you know, huge. 
I'm nice to people. I try to be a good teammate. I'm patient. I move as fast as I can without exploding and burning out. And I think all of those things are what 17 year old Libby was confused about. <laughs> Is this the right path? And I think I would have gone back and said, no, do more for your team. Care less about, you know, getting your upper 90 shot figured out. We don't need you to make those goals. Other people are going to do that job. You're doing a much harder job because you're fostering a culture on the team. You're keeping people's self-esteem high. You're empowering other girls to feel good about themselves. And that is what I try to do now. And I'm proud of that. So I think it's just interesting how time shows you the value in, in your you know approach to things. Do you think that 17 year old you receives that? Do you, do you say, wow, like that, I, I just needed that. I was able to, and that you would able be able to act on it. I think so. I, I don't know. I think so. I, I was pretty open to any form of validation. <laughs> <laughs> You're starved for validation. So you're uh, taking yeah. Uh-huh. Love language. You're doing great kid. Uh, here's a, some form of a sticker. So I think I would have been open to that. Like if you could have given me a crystal ball though at 17 and been like, you're going to be a successful copywriter in the ad world in New York city in 10 years, just sit tight. I would have been like, okay, great. I guess I will keep doing this then. So I hope I'd be open to it. It's cool to look back and, and think about that and, you know, know that everything's going to be okay. I think you and I, before we even hopped on the air, we're just looking for, you know, hey, sometimes we just need something like, hey, what's a sure thing? Just do this. Just hang yeah. in there. Just perform this task. Just go about your business. Uh, keep right. doing things. Invest more in the things that you're already doing. Right. Uh, sometimes that's just so reassuring. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. What discovery or quote or routine or tactic in your adult life has impacted you the most, do you think? Oh my God, so many things. Um, I always come back to the quote, comparison is the thief of joy. I learned that early back in like, remember when Pinterest came out and we would just sit there, maybe this was just a girl thing, but we would sit there and repost quote after quote after quote. And like, it was like our mood board digitally. And, you know, obviously that's a very old quote. It's not a new quote, but that has always been the thing that I'm consciously working on. You know, in your twenties, you're, I was the most uh, comparing person. I think the culture at Elon that I sort of became a part of fostered that a little bit in me that I'm not super proud of, of like outdoing others in very materialistic, superficial ways. And I've learned going forward that who I was at 17 is exactly who I am and worrying about what other people are doing, whether it's career, relationship, financially, um, it doesn't matter <laughs> at all. 100%. And, you know, it sucks. Like you're a very ambitious person. I'm a medium ambitious person. And I think, you know, especially in our early endeavors in the diabetes world, like trying to apply this like creative entrepreneurship vibe to that space had its challenges and the comparison thing can get really toxic and it can really get to you and it can confuse you on your own morals and values. And I, I really think that my day-to-day -day life now is like knowing your lane and fucking staying in it. I couldn't agree more. Um, I also am a comparer. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, being... it's, we live in the social media world. It's impossible not to. Well, and even before then, I think when I was probably in my early twenties, like college age, 
I think my dad was the one who shared that quote with me for the first time. Yep. And it wasn't exactly like that, but it was like comparing yourself to other people is just the most surefire way to guarantee you'll be unhappy, yep. uh, which was his Alabama hick way of uh, <laughs> in comparison is the thief of joy, which I love. Yeah. He probably had some rearranged version of the Teddy Roosevelt line. Very much <laughs> amazing so. Amazing Southern it, idioms are the best. <laughs> And I, I mean, I think like, that's one of the reasons I, I quotes resonate with me. I love quotes. Um, and so, or thinking about early Pinterest days, uh, and all of us pin, uh, bros with girlfriends at the time, we're like, dude, what is this Pinterest stuff, dude? Yeah. What's it all about? Um, but, Who I um, be? you know, at the same time, you know, ten, if I could tell myself 10 years later, dude, you're going to, uh, figure out your summer wardrobe. Thanks to Pinterest, uh, yeah, you know, your, your quarantine 2020 <laughs> wardrobe, thanks to pins of night of Ken Griffey jr. But anyway, yep. we digress. Um, no, I think that's so true. You know, especially in a professional career, when you look to the left and you look to the right and you're on LinkedIn or you're, you know, maybe have a bad day at your job and you're like, is, am I doing the right things? Am I, um, you know, am I making enough money? Am I, you know, am I at the right stage in my career for how old I am? I think there's a lot mm -hmm. of societal pressures that come along yeah, with that. And if you're an achiever, uh, which like you said, I, you called me ambitious. I like my therapist would say, yeah, Rob's an achiever. That's just what he does. And, you know, I, I think just understanding and learning more about yourself. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think like, like you said, just understanding being rooted in these principles that are very old, but yep. stand up today more than ever. I, I, I love that. A, a comparison is a thief of joy is something I always continuously remind myself of. A hundred percent. And it's like, I've been talking to my brother about this a lot lately because he's going through a lot of like career transitions. And this is obviously the worst year imaginable to do that. And it's so hard for him because he's 30 and he's seeing his peers in much, you know, he's in the videography editing world, which is one of the bounciest worlds you can be in, whether you Man. are a six figure an hour kind of director or like a freelance bro like him. And it is so hard to coach him to trust that it will land when it's meant to, because he's looking around and being like, my, my buddies in finance, my buddies in this, like they're secure. And I'm like, it doesn't mean, but, but you're, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> It's literally like you're on this highway over here and they're on like this one over here. Like they don't even cross. So what's the point? Exactly. And, you know, I, th I think it's just, and, and this is actually one of the things that really relates back to one of the driving insights of doing this podcast, which as athletes, you reconcile with the death of your old self at some point. 100%. Um, and I think throughout a person's career, especially now where things are changing so fast. And like you said, uh, some industries or trades that we choose to be in are so bouncy and there's yeah. no way we can be prepared for them. And everybody's kind of going through the same uh, things and there really is no one right way to do anything. And I think that's something for me as a person who was identified very much with being an athlete, really loved following the rules, really loved having a plan. Love rules. What is with that? I, I love Athletes structure. I love rules. Love rules. <laughs> Give me some rules and I'll follow them. I will do my yes. job. Happily. But, but then you get Very out well. you get out and there are no rules and you say, okay, well what do I do? How do I measure myself? And um, you know, thank you for sharing that story about your brother. I think that's just that really highlights this sort of millennial existence where mm -hmm just always questioning whether you're doing the right thing yeah. and how uh, lonely that can really be sometimes. Very lonely. That's a, a great point. I think it, you feel like you're the only one when a hundred percent of us are thinking that. Uh, yeah. You're not alone. If you're listening to this, you're not alone. I feel that <laughs> all the time. 
<laughs> what are we doing with ourselves? But again, if you just believe in, in what you've set out to do, like it might not be pretty or glamorous or easy, but you're not going to get very far by being someone who you're not. Cause that's not, you're, you're going to run out of, you know, facade eventually. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> you're screwed so much. And, you know, I think there's a lot of idioms and, uh, sort of catchisms or, or whatever you would call them, but like, uh, fake it till you make it is one that I struggle with these days because, yeah. uh, I think transparency and honesty, you know, radical honesty is the big term right now, but like transparency right. really to me is like, am I honest about what I'm doing and what I'm trying to accomplish? And if I'm putting on just to try to get to the next thing, I'd rather somebody just be honest with me and be like, Hey, I don't know this. Can you point me in the right direction? Or, right. Hey, you asked me this question. I have no idea where to even start. Can you give me right. an answer rather than wrap a lot of anxiety and pressure into something that I'm not sure about, you yeah. know? And I think, um, you know, if you're feeling lonely out there, just know that there are two, <laughs> two folks that, uh, definitely right here, uh, understand yeah, kind of what you're going through. hundred percent. So where can we find you and what's next? I know, um, spoiler alert, uh, you got a big, uh, a a big announcement things. coming up. Uh, where can you find me? So honestly, I've kind of like moved away from the diabetes Instagram world because I just sort of grew out of it. I started to feel very old and Gosh, like, I, I don't that. have, yeah, I don't have anything new to offer. I'm, I'm just like a, a humble spectator at this point. And I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm retiring in a way, which I'm fine with because I'm graduating into a whole new, uh, world, which is motherhood, <laughs> which is not something I knew or thought would be happening this soon. I mean, no one's ever really ready, but man, does this time fly by. I'm already six months in actually almost exactly the same as Robin Arzon, which is really weird. Um, we did not time that or plan that she does probably doesn't even know who I am anymore, but it is just like a, a crazy journey. And to be going through this, this year is extra weird. Talk about lonely, but it's, um, it's really exciting and also really freaked out. <laughs> But pumped because in Maine, we have a great support system. Sean's, um, my husband's, like one of his best friends from college lives right down the street and they have a kid who will be exactly one year older than ours. And um, my best friend from childhood also lives here and they have a one year old. So we're just like surrounded by people who've been in it. Um, I don't like to go first on things. Like you said, I like rules. I like to know what's coming <laughs> on, and how to do stuff. Just tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Um, and I'll do it happily. So we're really, really excited. And I think from a career perspective, it's also been really interesting because I have a lot of moms on my team um, in going through this at the same time as, you know, one of our most publicly known, widely known instructors, who's also a type one, which is insane. It's also really fascinating and fun and kind of comforting. So there's all these new things to navigate, you know, what's it going to be like to be working as a mom in, you know, a really fast paced, intense, competitive environment. IDK, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it next summer. But yeah, so that's a long winded answer, but that's where we're headed. And I love I'm it. Stopping this train at this point. <laughs> and you know, sometimes you just got to keep rolling now. Yeah. Like you said, yeah. this is uh, and you know, I, I think it kind of harkens back to what we talked about at the beginning of the pod. And also I just use harkens on a podcast and you said so, harkens. Yeah. Wow, I am really that guy. It'll be good for listenership. 
It will be. People are going to really latch on like... to Harkins, I think. Uh, that, that'll be like top five podcasts with the word Harkins in it. I Move over, ritual. Look out. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, it comes back to what you were talking about uh, before, where perfect is sort of is the enemy of good. It's the enemy of progress. And uh, it's just so cool to be your friend. Uh, I know you've retired, semi-retired from the diabetes online community, but uh, I just hold you in such high regard. And I thank you so much for coming on the show today. So uh, just thank you for being you. Oh my gosh. Likewise. I feel like there's, you know, playing the sport of being on Instagram as diabetic folk has been another way to bond with like-minded people. I feel like you and Lauren and I created like this really cool little trio and it's because we all played sports. It all yeah. <laughs> boils down to one thing. And it's just this shared value of teammates and that you just, I, you know, I ne also never played like an individual sport. I wasn't a swimmer. I had never played tennis. I've never played golf. Oh my God. I'm going to need to learn how to play, but I need my people in order to, to even feel brave enough to pursue something. And I think, you know, that's what I'm so grateful for coming out of this is knowing how to find those teammates that you're like, I'm sensing you're the one. Well, <laughs> and I, I, I think too, there's a certain type of person who's like, you know, for me, I, they, I was a good locker room guy. You yeah. know, so in the, at, the, at the pro level, I was not great at a lot of things, but I was a great locker room guy. I did what I was yeah. told. I was nice to everybody. I was yep. cool to be around. I wasn't going to other even, people feel good. You know, I was a good teammate and I take pride in that. And I think that's yep. where, you know, you, me and Lauren and that sort of three headed monster mm -hmm. of just great teammates. Uh, yep. I'd run through a wall for you ladies anytime. I feel the same. I'd go all the way to Texas in a pandemic just to fight for you. Bro. I love it. You needed me. <laughs> Get more friends like Livy, Ari, Jim, the guys. Yeah.